Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Welcome to Premier League Daily. Two games into the brand new Premier League season. And as always, there is loads to talk about. So much so, in fact, we're putting out a brand new show every single day of the Premier League season. Click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you go one show back from here, you can find our full weekend review of all the Premier League action. But on today's show, we're going to be talking the newly promoted teams. Do we need to reassess how Norwich, Villa and the Blades are going to do this Premier League season? We're going to talk about the new rules in the league and how they're impacting the games. And there's been a lot of talk about them over the first two games. Particularly, we'll be focusing on handball and VAR. But we're going to kick off today's show with one question and that question is what one thing did each of us learn from the weekend's Premier League action I'm Jim Salverson, Niall McCorn and Marley Anderson are with me here and we're going to start with you Niall, what one thing did you pick up from the Premier League Timu Puki has almost like a clandestine turn of pace he's quick, he's mm. quicker than I think anyone ever thought he would be I mean uh, people that would have watched the championship a lot last year would probably know that he, he has obviously got a lot about him. 29 goals in the second tier last season. No record to be sniffed at. Few people question marking whether he would actually be able to bring it to the Premier League. But I mean, the, the way he had Newcastle defenders on the runaround mm. on Saturday was actually quite a surprise to, to some people. This is a guy who Norwich signed on a free transfer last summer from Brondby. He was released by Danish club Brondby. And he's come into the championships, scored 29 goals, fired Norwich to promotion. He scored a hat-trick. He's the first Norwich player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League since Efan Okoku in 1993. Good stat. So, you know, he's he's got this sort of stealthy... Is he the real deal? Well, I'll tell you why... Is he going to maintain this? Four you... goals and two... He's obviously not going to score four goals every two games. I'll but... tell you why he's the real deal. Do you know what Pookie translates to in Finnish? <laughs> no. Billy Goat. <laughs> so I'm he telling you now, Simo Pookie is the goat. He's the true wow. goat. Uh, he's the Finnish goat, obviously. I don't know. Is the, is the honest answer. But he scored against Liverpool, mm. one of the best defences in the Premier League last season, although they've looked a little bit shaky early doors this season, Liverpool, in, in comparison to last campaign. 
Um, and he scored against the Newcastle United side that, as we've said many times on Premier League Daily, do have a decent crop of central defenders. Yeah. So I think it's too early to tell whether he is the real deal. But you don't score a hat-trick in the Premier League unless you've got something about you. So I think if they're going to stay up Norwich City, they have to keep Timo Pukki fit. I can't see where else their goals are going to come from. We will talk more about Norwich City and their chances this season in a moment. But on that hat-trick... Did you think, Marley, now you're a Newcastle fan, mm-hmm. and it was a hat-trick, and as you say, you need to be something a little bit special to score a hat-trick in the Premier League, but every single one of those goals I watched and went, the keeper could have done a bit better with all of them. The volley wasn't that far away from him. He could have got to it, then he was beaten on his near post. The volley was he, class, Jim. It was, volley a, great, was, it was a great finish, class. but I still think the keeper could have done better. Didn't he get a hand to it? Didn't he get a finger to it? No, he, got, he got a hand to it, but... It came through a lot of bodies and it came. He hit it pretty sweet as well. So there was one. I which, don't really blame him. There was one which um, I think Debravka didn't see because it came through sort of a crowd of players. Yeah, yeah. I thought he could have done better there. He's a bit slow to post. react. Yeah. yeah, that was one of the goals. I, thought. I think. And then I thought that the the third as well potentially could have done a little bit better when he kind of cut back in almost. Think right. So with with the third one particularly, it looks like a. It looks like he might have done better, but it's the way Pookie takes it. He takes it early. He takes it like mid-stride. Mm. So he doesn't set himself to give to Bravkos because then as soon as you set yourself and you think you're going to shoot, the keeper says, right, now I'm going to go down and make himself big. But it's the, he sort of takes it in his stride like as he's, he's... He doesn't stretch for it. He sort of takes it as he's running and then he stabs it back across the goalie. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Dubravka's all of a sudden like having to get down to his left pretty close to him as well. When you're six foot four, it's, you know it's a long way down very quickly. But for me, he's like we say about about his pace and stuff. I think it's it's just the timing and the cleverness of his runs. He's very very clever, um, and that's what makes him. You know, he's got four goals in two games. One one at Anfield, which he took brilliantly against, which is the, the truly the impressive best, thing, really, yeah, isn't it? The best defense in the league, if you want to put it like that. And then he's probably scored against the filled his boots against probably the worst defense in the league. You mentioned we've got we, Newcastle do have good centre backs, but they're not playing well. I'm still convinced Jamal Sells has absolutely no idea how to play in a back three, having done it for 18 months. He genuinely looks uncomfortable. Um, and then we've got like Paul Dummett, who's not really a centre back, but he wouldn't be full of confidence. He made a mistake last week as well, didn't he? He's, uh, well, yeah, he's, he he technically he gave it away, but it was Willems's mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, Willems just was waiting for a tram or something <laughs> and just wait, oh yeah it'll come to me and then it just didn't like you're not playing in Holland or Germany anymore mate you're playing in the Premier League and people are gonna gonna you know make you look stupid if you if you're not up to it let's move on to what you learned the one thing you took out of the Premier League action is it Newcastle United related well it was <laughs> but we've we've already talked about Newcastle now haven't we so I don't want to do <laughs> exactly bloody that. half an hour on how bad we are. <laughs> I've got I've got another one if you really want. Well, I can do mine while Marley has go a little on. thing. Yeah, go on. You do yours, mine's West Ham focused because obviously I'm a West Ham fan. And I'm not panicking yet, but it's not looking good at the start of the season already. This is kind of typical of West Ham to start the season in a pretty sluggish way. If you were watching Match of the Day at the weekend, you have heard the stat that West Ham haven't won a game in August in three Premier League seasons which is a terrible stat. And we normally win one, lose one and draw one in our first three games. But there are worrying signs in East London at the moment. And if West Ham are going to do anything this season, and that's anything in terms of finishing the top 10, not anything that some fans believe we could finish in top six or seven, (laughs) we need to do a lot better defensively. And first game of the season against Man City, you can almost write it off because it's so difficult to play against Man City, particularly in the first game of the season when they're all fit and gunning for it. But against Brighton, 
we were appalling. A load of people will point to Haller and Anderson not being fit as the reason we didn't do better in that game. That was nothing to do with it. I don't think we were very, very poor defensively. We looked clueless. I don't think you should push the the panic buttons just yet. No, I don't think Uh, we need to. uh, Let me put it this way: Are West Ham better than or as good as Watford? We'll find out next weekend. Because Watford got smashed by Brighton 3 0. Battered. Can... They battered them. Watford didn't have a sniff. I they mean... got absolutely battered. But, but by Brighton, Brighton could have battered us 3 0 quite yeah, but Bri- easily yesterday. Brighton, we had Brighton like four had... shots on target. Graham Potter's a good manager. I think I a lot, really like a lot of people have written them off saying that yeah. they're going to go down. They've made some decent signings. I know they spent a bit of cash. Adam Webster at the back. Leandro Trossard looks a decent signing. Webster hasn't played a game yet. Trossard, Leandro yeah, Trossard. He scored two, didn't he? But one got disallowed yeah, for great volley. VAR great volley called off for VAR. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, they look up for it. They move the ball really quickly, Brighton. And um, Graham Potter's obviously having his impact already. So I don't think West Ham should be too disheartened at the moment. It is still really early. Although I do know what you mean. You can almost get a sense, even from the first couple of games, that something isn't quite right, especially mm. when it's a team you've been watching for the, your whole life. And you look at the back four we've got. It's unsettled at the moment. There's big, I mean, I think we are, I can't remember, the, I think it was two players that start in the, that back four it was only Diop and Fredericks that started in the back and we changed our centre back and bought a Boring and we changed our left back Cresswell went out and Masuko Masuaku came in who is just not a left back he's a left midfielder who's not quite good enough to play left midfield so he's being stuck at left back and we look shaky we've got Diop this 21 year old French lad who was immense last season that there were rumours about Manchester United signing him for yeah. 50 million quid in the he's summer. He's positionally, he's looked terrible the last two games. And against yeah. Brighton, he was just all over the place, just waving his leg at stuff in that kind of knackered five-a-side defender <laughs> kind of style that you see <laughs> I think down the pits. I watched West Ham against Newcastle in, in, the China, in China in pre-season. And one of the reasons why I was quite like, cautiously optimistic about Newcastle is because we played really well against West mm. Ham, but... I'm starting to think that was just West Ham's defence. All through the preseason. Because is Zabaleta defense. injured? Zabaleta's not injured. Zabaleta's just really old. <laughs> I mean, Fredericks. I mean, I'd still rather have him there than a player who doesn't know what he's doing. Fredericks is a better player, though, than Zabaleta, and that's your like for like playing right back. It's that centre. It's the, yeah, it's the centre. And the left back, which is an issue, because Cresswell and Masuaku, neither are making a case for that to be their spot. Here's an interesting point, then, because every manager has almost like a weak point, much like players have strengths and weaknesses. I think managers do as well. Could you argue that Manuel Pellegrini's weakness, for want of a better term, is his inability to spot defensive frailties? Because if you look when Pep Guardiola came into Manchester City, I think they had Demichelis, Mm. they had just signed Mangala, who obviously wasn't very good. Um, They ended up loaning him out for however long as he's just signed for Valencia now. Who else did they have? Basically, Pep came in and ripped up trees. and Clichy, and Sanya. Sanya. They changed the whole defence at Manchester City. Pep came in and said, well, what on earth? how have they won the league with this defence? But wasn't that more to do with the style of play? It could be to do with the style of play, but I guess Manuel Pellegrini would want to play in a similar vein at West Ham than he would at Manchester City. He's not just decided, oh, because we're, I'm at West Ham now, I'm going to change mm. my entire ideology that I've had for my whole career. I just think, in terms of defensive signings, Diop looks like a really good acquisition, but... Apart from that, who have West Ham actually gone in for that you think, okay, he's going to solidify our defence? Well, I you've think signed a lot of really exciting players. I mean, Fornells looks like a good signing, doesn't he? He looks like a he looks like a real deal yeah. sort of player, but he's a he's a midfield, an advanced midfield player. You're looking at defensively, West Ham 
who who's come in that you you've sort of gone oh that fills me with a bit of confidence this in window, the last two years no I mean Winston Reid I like had I like potential Reed, to be a great yeah, player. Like Last season, he suffered with injuries and didn't yeah, really get two or three years ago. He was like one of the best outside the top four. They were talking about Arsenal, yeah, yeah. bringing him in. I really like Winston Reid. I do. He has the potential to do well. I think Diop is a good defender. I think the general, uh, I forget his Balbuena. Balbuena is that he's pronounced yeah. it? Balbuena, I think he's yeah. a very strong. Or certainly last season, he looked very strong. I and then you got um, a bonger as well, who's a decent player. Ogbonna's one of the, the only defenders I've ever seen come from Juventus who can't defend. It's <laughs> shocking. Like, he was the one in, in pre-season, he passed it and he gave it he gave it to a Newcastle player and we pushed it wide. And instead of like running back to his defence, he just stood there and we crossed it round him mm. and, he, and we scored. I think there's worrying signs there and it's a bit of a West Ham trait yeah. being terrible defensively and panicking at the back. <laughs> and we do look, yeah. we look a combination, a deadly combination of panicky and uninterested at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a poss- if it's possible to look panicky and uninterested, but we're managing it at the moment yeah. and it needs to sort itself out next weekend against Watford. I think you need it. Just an experienced centre-back who knows the league to, to then be alongside someone like Diop, who's 21. Yeah. He's got all the, the physical ability, which is absolutely fine, great, but he needs that experience alongside him. Someone like... You know, like Johnny Evans at Leicester. Mm. He's not the he's not the best centre back in the league, but he's not going to make any mistakes. Reliable, yeah. Just yeah. someone solid who'll just play along, and he'll bring another he'll bring another side out of Diop. Right. Let's move on before I get really depressed. Do you want to go back to your thing you learnt, Marley, or do you want to crack on and yeah, I've not got talk one. Newcastle. I've got another one. <laughs> got not, it's not Newcastle. <laughs> it was. You don't necessarily need the best side in terms of talent to get results. And that is that was shown to me by Sheffield United yeah. this weekend. Agreed. Just because they don't have... I mean, you don't look at Sheffield United's side and go, oh, I'd love to have him in my side. But they're all actually pulling in the right direction. They've got a manager that knows what he's doing. They've got a decent um, formation and stuff like that. They all they all chip in for each other. They're all fighting. And it's the it's that sort of thing where you... you your new sides are going to pick up points early in the season because they're super motivated and that kind of thing. And then they beat the sides around them. They beat Crystal Palace at the weekend. I do think Crystal Palace are absolutely shite, to be honest. Yeah, they, they don't have good. anything that I look at and, and say they're going to stay up, especially if Sahar leaves in January. We spoke about it on, on yesterday's Premier League Daily review show as well about Crystal Palace's striking options. They're horrendous. They've when you're learned, bringing they, on Connor Wickham with 10 minutes Connor to go, Wickham, you know who, you're a bad side. Connor Wickham, who was side. injured for two seasons, didn't play mm. a game for 18 months. Roy Hodgson gave him a new contract. Benteke. Because they haven't Benteke's, got any other options, no, though. That's because, the reason and they've, they've got... also loaned Alexander Serloth out to Turkey for two seasons. So their third-choice striker has been loaned out to Turkey for two seasons. Their second-choice striker is Connor Wickham, who's just got a new contract, who didn't play a game for nearly two years. Mm. And then Christian Benteke hasn't been... A proven goal scorer for four or five seasons now. Yeah. I think there's some real problems. There's no Zilla, chance. Yeah. Where are their goals coming from apart from Zaha, Milivojevic, link up for a penalty or a free kick or whatever? There's problems. That's that, surely concerning for Crystal Palace fans. There's problems at that team that aren't just with the personnel as well. There's problems at board level. They really haven't done anything in the transfer window to strengthen yeah. that team as well. And even That's Crystal where, Palace, you worry. I mean, you're fifty only, million for Wambasaka. You're, you're a couple of losses away from getting David Moyes as your manager if you're a Crystal <laughs> Palace fan, which has got to be really worrying. No better or worse than. <laughs> so that's why like they're the exact opposite of Sheffield United. Sheffield United are moving all in the same direction: mm. board level, team level, manager, tactics, motivation, supporters everything. on side. Yeah, Crystal Palace are all over the place. They're all in different directions. And and Crystal Palace fans are actually booing 
after the game. Some section of Palace supporters, I'm told, were booing. Not, um, I think some people thought it was directed at Wilfred Zaha, who was kept very, very quiet and was almost anonymous as parts of that game. I think it was because Crystal Palace fans had travelled all the way up from Croydon to Sheffield mm. on a Sunday afternoon to watch their side create absolutely soddle and get beaten by a hard-working, spirited Sheffield United side who deserved the victory, and I don't think the Crystal Palace fans will stand for that. Which is a game that maybe pre-season that Crystal Palace fans would have expected to come away with three points from, which is what we're going to talk about next. Is it time to reassess our opinions on the three promoted teams? Norwich, Sheffield United, Aston Villa, with two games into the season. Can they do a little bit better than most people expected? We'll talk about that next on Premier League Daily. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. This is Premier League Daily, a new Premier League podcast every single day of the season. Don't forget, you can also get our Amazon Alexa accompanying skill. If you say open Sports Social to your Alexa device, you can get daily updates on your team, match reports and match previews for every single Premier League team, which, if you're a fan of one of the promoted teams, you might be more keen on hearing than you were a couple of weeks ago, because now we know a little bit more about Norwich, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Is it time to reassess how they're going to do this season? So we all made our Premier League predictions and on the sports social team a few weeks ago, who we thought was going to finish where. And for me, I had Norwich and Sheffield United going straight back down. I had Aston Villa as the best equipped team to stay in the Premier League. I think I had them finish... 15th or 16th but now we've seen them play a little bit mm-hmm. I'm kind of feeling I need to reassess that a bit because my feelings were Norwich were going to get torn apart if they tried to play as openly as they did in the championship they were just going to concede goals all over the place doesn't necessarily seem to be the case Sheffield United I thought hadn't recruited well enough to stay in the Premier League and Aston Villa I thought they'd bought some decent players they'd invested in staying in the Premier League and if anything it's Villa that now looks like the most likely to go straight back down to the championship. I think um, it's a little bit too early to say <laughs> Definitely. To, to be like, oh, you know, they're <laughs> going to stay up. I mean, yeah, yeah of course Pookie's, is. Pookie's fantastic, but I don't think he's is the one reason why they'll stay up. Well, I he think... could fall down the stairs tomorrow and Norwich will go down. So yeah. simple as that. I mean, that's it, isn't it? Timo Pukki, we don't know whether he's going to be able to do it for the rest of the season. Although... But the one thing that is for sure, if he does get injured... They're Norwich are screwed. And they've got Buendia, who looks a, a useful player as well. But yeah, Norwich goals, isn't it? That's the thing. Yeah, I think with with the uh, the new teams coming into the league, you see every season, the first few weeks are bloody dangerous. You mm. do not want to play a, a newly promoted seat, a side in the first three or four weeks because they're on that honeymoon period. They're on that bounce. The fans have got, you know, insane sort of support. They, when you go away to, War- to Norwich, like... I mentioned it before, Newcastle fan going away to Norwich on their first, it looks like a three a game you can get three points from. It's their first home game back in the Premier League. They're going to play their way. We're not the most sort of gelled team. I've, I always thought we might get picked off here. Not not 3-1, but, well, it was 3-0 till 90th minute, whatever it was. But, you know, it's dangerous to go there. And it's the same with, you know, Sheffield United. They won at the weekend. Their first home game, one win. There's three points for you off the mark. That, that'll that just boost them for the rest of the season now. First win in 12 years in yeah. the Premier League for Sheffield United. Exactly, yeah. Fans are bang up for it as well, especially with the way they got relegated, Jim, with the whole uh, Carlos Tevez saga <laughs> back in 2007, <laughs> which we won't bring up for the... Uh, 
for the sake of Sheffield United fans that may be listening. But yeah, I think that they would be bang up for it. As Marley says, the, the fans full of enthusiasm and, and it's always a bit of a banana skin to go to a newly promoted team early on in the season because I think it's it's the way that they impose themselves on games. I think it's important. I think Tom Heaton was talking about this in his post-match after the Aston Villa defeat, saying that they need to they need to impose themselves on games, especially at home. And mm. I think the home record for these newly promoted sides is going to be so, so important. That can keep you in the Premier League. If you can pick up your 40 points to stay up, if you can pick up three quarters of them at home, I think you'll be all right. I mean, that's it. There's the two things. If you're a promoted team trying to stay up, win your home games, beat the teams around you. Well, don't and, lose at home. And at the moment, Just don't Sheffield United and Norwich City look very capable of winning a lot of their home games and beating a lot of the teams around them as they're proving already. Well, Sheffield United is such a hard-working team, as we've said. They've got no superstars in that team. They're all mucking in for the cause. They also named the, the entire side was a British and Irish 11. Yeah. It was the first oh, time in the Premier League. A Brexit team. Yeah, proper Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of why I want, <laughs> I want them to go down now. <laughs> what about Aston Villa? They're the ones we haven't really talked about so far and they're probably the ones that now I have the biggest concern over. Massive turnover in their squad. I mean, we know they spent 125 million, something around that ballpark in bringing players in, but we also know that a lot of that was essential rebuilding because they didn't have that many players left at the end of last season. There were players who finished their loan mm. periods, end of contracts and all that kind of yeah. thing. Do they just need a little bit of time to gel? I mean, they've played Spurs and Bournemouth and they're opening two games, which just aren't particularly easy games to Yeah, play. I think they, um, they're going to act as more of a a team that have been in the, in the league a few years in a row because they need the first month, like, for example... Norwich and Sheffield United need, need that first month as a huge bounce. Get everyone uh, the same squad as last season, just going harder for the first month. Aston Villa need that first month to settle in, mm. to just start gelling. They've signed, what is it, like 12 or 14 players, practically seven or eight of the new, seven or eight, or eight of their lineup every week are new players. You've got a new centre back with Engels and Mings. You've got players in midfield. They've got loads uh, of Douglas, Douglas Louise, Wesley up front. He needs to learn the league. He's well, going to be a very good player, little Premier League experience in well, that. Exactly, team. yeah. Douglas made a mistake as well, although he did score a very, very good goal for Aston Villa. Ironically, the one guy they brought in, Tom Heaton, also made a mistake because he kicked the uh, striker yeah, to give did. away the penalty. Yeah, he gave away the pen. So, I mean, there's, there's individual mistakes there for Aston Villa, and I think that's what they need to iron out. I think Jack Grealish was saying as well after the game. Um, that you know, individual mistakes is what's been costing Aston Villa. But this is the thing: it's so early in the Premier League season. You know, West Ham, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Southampton, and Watford have all lost their first two games. Leicester have drawn both. West Ham didn't lose; they drew it. Drew the first one. <laughs> it felt like a loss. Like. <laughs> I'll, I'll amend that. Aside from West Ham, the other teams I mentioned lost their first two games of the Premier League season. Leicester City are in twelfth. Um, they've drawn their first two. They look good. It's too early to tell. Right. I think Aston Villa do need some time to gel. Like Molly said, you know, you bring 13 new faces in or 12 new faces or whatever it might be. It's going to take a while for them. Best equipped of the three then? If one of those three is going to stay up, who's it going to be? The for best me, it's Norwich. The best equipped is, is Aston Villa. From what they've spent and what they've signed, I think the best equipped is Aston Villa. I, I, I still think that they're the best equipped, whether they will or not. Mm. Fulham were the best equipped last season and they were shocking. So, I mean, you say best equipped to stay up is a different question to do you think they will stay up? <laughs> so I don't know what you're asking me. Not really. <laughs> it's the same question. I'll tell you what, let's just move on to the very uncontroversial topic of VAR and handballs. So we saw VAR appearing several times in the opening weekend. Again, we saw it appearing several times this weekend. But the real talking points seem to be 
the handball <laughs> rule, which resulted in Manchester City's winner, inverted commas, against Spurs being ruled out after the ball struck Laporte's arm, broke to Jesus, who put the ball in. There was seemed to be a good solid two minutes of celebrations before the referee finally said, no, hang on, there's no goal, far decision here. What do we think of these new rules? Because there is a subtle change to the handball rule this season in that a handball of any kind for the offensive team is now a free kick. So it's now punishable if the ball is touched in any way. It doesn't have to be deliberate, which surely is disadvantaging the attackers. And in a game that seems to be changing its rules so much to advantage the attacking team, this is going the other way suddenly. Shite, isn't it? <laughs> Absolute shite. VAR. I'm, I've never been an advocate of VAR. And I've said this on the podcast loads. And I'm not going to explain why because I've done it so many times. But VAR is here to stay. And I'm going to have to swallow that pill really and just take mm. that because it's going to be here to stay. They can't get rid of it. It's too late. It's implemented in the game. Genie's out the bottle. Exactly. That's the what I'm looking for. But the problem is, is not the VAR. And everyone's been saying this on Twitter. I must have seen the same tweet 20 times this weekend. VAR did its job. VAR is there to analyse the situation and make sure the correct decision is made, Completely. which it was. Yeah. VAR made the right decision. It's correct the decision in line with the law, isn't it? 100%. That's the problem. They need to change the rules and make it as simple as you can. 40 years ago, offside was, not if you're level, you have to be behind the defender for it to be onside. Mm. If you're level, it's like cricket for a noble. The line belongs to the umpire. If you're level, that belongs to the defender and therefore you're offside. You have to have your foot or body or whatever it is behind the line. Then there's this whole question of offside as well with the shoulder. Oh, but his shoulder's offside. Sterling's armpit's offside. Yeah, great stuff. When that offside was given against Sterling a couple of weeks ago, the ball was on the floor. He's not going to, like, put his shoulder to the floor to try and hit the ball with it, is he? Yeah. So, I mean, do, do you see what I'm saying here? It's, it's it's such a strange interpretation of the rules. And I think, even though Stephen McInerney didn't agree with me on last night's Premier League review show, the handball rule should be like the rule in hockey where the ball hits your foot. It is a, a foul, no matter what. Whether you mean it or not, whether it's an accident. Oh, that's really harsh, ref. Sorry, mate. That's the rules. And then that is it. for every, It's a blanket. It's a blanket rule. If it hits your arm, whether it's going into goal, whether it's in the middle of the pitch, in the halfway line, in the centre circle, in the corner flag, doesn't matter. If it hits your arm, accident or not, it is a free kick. Mm. Simple. That's black and white then. Okay, it's harsh. Oh, you can't get your arm out of the way. Like in this Champions League final, Sissoko's pointing out to a defender and Mane deliberately kicks the ball <laughs> against his arm. You're going to get that. Well, we saw in the Palace that, game at the weekend. Well. You're going to get that, but it's handball. And, and that's what way... it should be. It should be if it hits your arm, it is a free kick. End of story. The then way... there's no debate then. There's no dis- debate, no discussion. It becomes black and white. If it hits you on the arm, it is a handball. Then you're going to get the grey area. Oh, where does your arm start and your shoulder begin? All of that sort of stuff. Okay, you never. it's never going to be 100% black and white. If it hits your arm, it should be a free kick. I noticed in the Sheffield United Palace game, I thought it was really interesting the way the defenders were defending with their arms positioned, basically. They were kind of hugging themselves to keep their arms in line with their own body because attackers are always going to try and take advantage of this new situation where we yeah. have VAR and we have it's new all these natural balls. silhouette bollocks and yeah, all of that just we've had it rubbish. for years now though haven't we? When, when left backs and, and right backs are trying to block across they put their arms behind the back yeah like carry on doing that fine 
because when when this season's really going to kick off is when somebody gets it hammered at them from a yard and they've got their hands by the side and it hits the hand and the VAR goes, well, under these laws, that's a penalty. Yeah. And then all shit is going to break loose because everyone's going to hate that and everyone's going to think, well, what could he possibly have done and all the rest of it? But it's that thing, isn't it? If you gain an advantage from it, like it or not, Man City gains an advantage from from Laporte's handball at the weekend because if it misses the pair of them, the two guys that jump Laporte and the um, mm. and the Spurs defender, if that ball goes through and doesn't hit Laporte on the arm, Jesus doesn't control it. Jesus doesn't score. Man City gains an advantage from that. Mm. Yeah, it's shit. It, it's horrible to celebrate for two minutes and then have the ref go, oh, sorry, lads. Yeah. But that's how it is. Like, it's you've gained an advantage from it. If, for example, let's say the ball is bouncing back to a defender and there's no pressure on him and it sort of skips up and hits his arm, like, if he's then going to get the ball anyway, if there's no attacker within him, has he gained an advantage by it hitting his arm accidentally? No. So he's probably going to carry on and get the ball anyway. So everything, I can't, I don't think it can be black and white because everything's slightly different. Yeah. But VAR makes things black and white, whether you like it or not. Mm. So it's kind of... It's hard because... And the idea of VAR is to, is to try and make things black and white, isn't yeah. it? Mm. To try and rule out no. any interpretation issues. Yeah. And it's um, very difficult to do that, but I kind of agree with you, Niall, that VAR's doing its job. It's, it's, it's getting decisions it right. It it's yeah. not necessarily benefiting the game it's in any way. It's not benefiting but... the game. And you know what? It was made extra difficult to deal with by Manchester City fans because a matter of months ago, in the same stadium, in very similar circumstances, against the same opposition, in a big game, And the feeling amongst Manchester City fans leaving the Etihad Stadium that night in that Champions League semi-final second leg when they knew they didn't get through to the Champions League final because VAR had disallowed a goal they had scored in the 95th minute, whatever it was, it was the same again. But you can't, it was the same you again against the same up, team in the same stadium. You can't get too upset about it because it's happened and you've got to get over it. But and that whole argument it, it's about... It's such a sea change, Jim. It's, yeah. People have been watching football for, for 50 years with no technology and now all of a sudden... This technology's come in and it's changed the game massively. But it's completely changed football that's the because of the way argument. the way you then deal with celebrating a goal and all the rest of it, which I won't go into now because we'll be here for days. But that's that's completely changed. And I think the only people that are going to be used to the way VAR operates are the kids of today, the kids that are five, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, nine years old today. That when they're in twenty years, when they're twenty nine, thirty, thirty five, whatever, they're the ones that are going to be more used to having VAR in the game. And the thing is, the argument about, oh, that would have never been a handball before VAR, it doesn't matter because this isn't before VAR. This is after VAR. We'll be having the same discussion in 30 years about robot goalkeepers or something. It's not saying, isn't it? If my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. (laughs) Yeah. And what happens? What does everyone talk about when you ask an English football supporter, Mm. what do you think of Diego Maradona? They don't go, one of the greatest players ever, they go, fucking cheat because he punched the ball in the goal. One of the most iconic moments of football history. Yeah, he cheated, but it's one of the most iconic moments of football history. If there was VAR, things could have been different. If there was VAR, England would have never won a World Cup. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. Even more of a valid point. But we love that because we won a World Cup. So, <laughs> so yeah, VAR is only important when it benefits your team. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. There, we've nailed it, decided it. I want to talk about Sean Dyche's comments about diving in the game oh, as well. But you know what? We're going to save it for tomorrow's. I kind of agree with what he's saying I as well. We'll get into it tomorrow on the Premier League Daily Podcast. Make sure you click subscribe and you can listen to that. And make sure you give us a nice review on iTunes wherever you listen to podcasts as well. 
Tell us how great you are, and we might even give you a shout-out on the podcast. Marley Nile, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Premier League Daily. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. I love my club. Every match, the manager, every player who's pulled on the shirt. Don't just talk to me about football. Talk to me about my one and only. I love my club, but I don't love them up the road. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only. With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.